ANA Champions of Growth podcast. I'm Matthew Schwartz. If everyone and their cousin hosts a podcast, whom exactly is listening? I jest. But there's also a shred of truth in this statement, as the number of podcasts seems like it's constantly breeding. Indeed, the overall number of podcasts is quite fluid. In a blog post, Stephen Goldstein, founder and CEO of Amplify Media, threw shade on the 4.4 million podcasts cited by Apple and pegged the number of shows with 10 or more episodes, instead at roughly 1.3 million. What's a few million podcasts here and there? Regardless of a precise number, the ad side of the business, now around $2 billion, may be undervalued. That's according to Brian Barletta, a partner at Sounds Profitable, a research and advocacy firm focused on the business of podcasting. Brian is also the editor of the Sounds Profitable newsletter. He joins me now to talk about why analysts may be lowballing the overall value of podcasting, as well as other trends in the market relevant to advertisers. Brian, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, let's get right to it. Ad spending on podcasts is expected to reach $2 billion this year, up from $1.3 billion in 2021, according to the IAB. It's about a 60% hike in the past two years. So give us the bird's eye view on why the appetite keeps on growing for this medium. Podcasting is just really attractive because it blends so many different channels. The digital aspect of it, how quickly it is to create an audio asset and get it live through either buying directly, which is pretty quick still, all things considered, network-wide buys, which are still kind of manual, but again, quick and at scale, and of course, programmatic growing further and further there. A lot of the appeal for why it's growing is the ability to get directly in touch with the talent that's advertising it. So similar to influencer marketing, uh, which continues to boom. Of course, the fact that audio is something that people can take with them as their transient between tasks. I can't easily scroll Facebook or Twitter or anything like that while I'm walking my dog. I do, and I probably shouldn't, but I definitely can have a podcast in my ear as I'm walking around, taking things in and going between tasks. Even if I'm going to go take 10 minutes to go make coffee, I'll put an earpod in and I will go listen to a podcast while I'm doing that. So it's getting people where they are most engaged and where they've chosen to be active. One of the coolest things is that the people who buy ads are actually enthusiastic about podcasting or come across podcasting. So we're not selling them as much on the medium. Brian, how might a potential downturn in the economy or possible recession affect the industry's growth rates. Just uh, this morning, a U.S. ad market tracker dropped that the U.S. ad marketplace fell for the seventh consecutive month in January, declining 5.8% from January 2022. So give us a little context here, podcasting within this larger scope of the economy. Eric Sufert of Mobile Dev Memo wrote an interesting article about how it's not an advertising recession, but it's an ATT, the Apple tracking solution recession. It's very interesting because some of these dips that we're seeing here happened originally around COVID, then happened when Apple made their changes to privacy, removing mobile device IDs, or the forecasting about the death of cookies and, and the removal of them. All those dips hurt a lot of digital advertising. Advertisers are heavy in those areas, so they tend to pause a lot of their spend. But what's really neat for all of these areas is that podcasting hasn't been affected on a technology level. So we didn't have mobile device IDs, we didn't have cookies, we can do stuff that augments with them, but that's a lesser set of what we do overall. So we weren't hit as bad by that because our methods of confirming value and confirming conversion uh, weren't negatively impacted. 
we didn't see those drops as much. Looking month to month and advertising right now is probably a terrifying experience. The end of the year tends to be a little bit heavier for podcasting because a lot of people try and get their budget done. January is always pretty light. We are seeing a little bit dip month to month, but we're not hearing that people are pulling their budgets out of podcasting. We're seeing people start to invest further into podcasting, but we are seeing people pause, maybe not fully spend what they plan to in January and February and consider it in March or move it later in the year, which has been interesting. So the short I can say is it is affecting us, but it doesn't seem to be affecting us at the same scale. And that might be because we're smaller or it might be because we've proven that these, these things aren't affecting us the same way that they're affecting other channels. Okay. And that somewhat plays into my next question. Talk to the trajectory of the business as you see it. Eric Newsom, a podcast strategist and co-founder of the independent studio Magnificent Noise, told the New York Times recently that, quote, the dumb money era is over, end quote, when it comes to podcasting. What did he mean? We saw a lot of people treat it like Hollywood, the minimum guarantees, probably used incorrectly, more like licensing, right? These big partners like SXM, Amazon, Apple's even done a few of them there, Spotify, definitely. They're acquiring content that's either prioritized toward their platform, some of them are siloing it, or even still leaving it completely open with the hope that the popularity of that show grows into a network or that network that's already there continues to grow in size and that they can sell well against it. Some of those bets worked really well, and I think some of those bets worked wrong. What we're seeing right now is that there are so many podcasts out there, and there are so many that are doing fairly well, you know, tens of thousands of downloads per episode in a 30-day period that they've already built themselves up. So it's far easier for those major networks to now look at that show and say, well, you already know how to grow. You already have an audience. We can bring you ads, and we can just buy into that inventory. We have to commit nothing up front. We don't have to hire your entire team or... We don't have to license and commit for several years. And we also can offer you the ability to extend yourself and grow through your network. So I think what we're gonna see is less of the dollars going to acquire shows or production agencies, and more of that going into bringing more buyers into the space and figuring out how to acquire more listeners because the content, that middle body of content has grown very well. And what we're finding is that people are not necessarily coming in for that celebrity and sticking around. They're coming in for a specific topic. They're treating it like an encyclopedia or a little bit of entertainment. And that having a little bit more freedom there is going to allow these major networks, major publishing companies to explore and go wider. So the dumb money refers to hundreds of millions of dollars to acquire specific shows or networks or production companies. So are we talking about mass niche? That's an interesting way to think about it. And I don't disagree with it. It's not like Netflix. It's not like the movies. We're not going for hits. Like hits don't have the same power. A hit in podcasting can fade pretty quickly. And if you can't capitalize it on that moment, it might be gone. And, and then the other part is that it's not like a, a studio that makes movies or TV shows or whatnot, that everything they put out is gold. The idea of purchasing that entire production side with the expectation that it's still going to just print money. That's really what Eric is talking about. Are buyers moving from purchasing quote shows to format to what's hot right now and to what you suggest is going to remain the coin of the realm episodes? Is that the wave? How is the ad model changing for brands that want to reach these burgeoning audiences for niche programming? You can think of podcasting as 
two ad industries, right? One is like influencer marketing and the other one is digital advertising with an audio component. The influencer marketing truly is how we got to where we are with about the $2 billion in the US and whatnot. The idea that you can find a host that is a celebrity or semi-celebrity and get them to talk intimately about your product after having tested it for the prices that we're paying. I don't think we have another channel that can do anything like that. Even YouTube, the price is so much higher that it's not as easy. And celebrities aren't doing the same things in YouTube as they are in, in podcasting. There's a lot of interest in that host endorsement still. That's how we got where we are. And I don't want us to alienate them in any way. But I do agree that there's so much great content out there. And when a new trend happens or something really important happens, being able to buy on that as a brand or advertiser quickly across all of it through keyword targeting, sentiment analysis, all of those other tools through programmatic, we're going to see a, the new age of podcast advertising there, where if the content is relevant to the buyer's needs in that moment, then they're going to be able to be a part of that. So if I'm to understand you correctly, Brian, a sort of a duality developing in the marketplace. And again, it's evolving in a way where it's not just for the mega brands, but for midstream and downstream companies in which the cost of entry is not going to be prohibitive? We're seeing that. I think the prices are kind of settling in the 25 to $50 CPM range, depending on the relationship. And obviously the more bespoke and the more custom the sponsorship package is, the higher the price is. The biggest difference here is that we're seeing a lot of interest in full takeovers as competitive as we are seeing live banners. Having both models there and how they compete and how one can outseat the other is going to be interesting because we don't have all the levers, and I don't think any industry does, to uh, easily scale between the two. So that's, that's what's got me really exciting right now. We have that influencer side, which if we just adopted that and called podcasting influencer marketing, we'd be way bigger than $2 billion right now. And then we have the digital audio, which once we have everything plugged in, we're going to be absolutely the leaders in that because we're able to drive attention on demand versus in the streaming environment. And I definitely want to come back to this notion of influencer marketing and the impact it's having on podcasting. But just in terms of sheer numbers, Brian, I mean, you hear so many knocked around uh, in terms of the number of podcasts, how many are we talking about legitimate podcasts that are legitimate marketing vehicles? That's a really tough question, right? Because any podcast that serves any amount of impressions can or downloads can generate inventory. Whether that person can make enough money to even buy themselves a meal is a different question. We don't have the same thresholds as like YouTube. Podcasting today, there are platforms. Anchor just increased it to 100 listeners per episode. You'll be eligible to actually do their own ads for Anchor, which is cool. But now you have to do 10 episodes before you get paid out about a $15 CPM, right? YouTube puts that bar way higher. You need certain amount of watching hours and you need a certain amount of followers before you can even monetize. And they're monetizing you before then. In podcasting, until you opt in to be monetized, there are no ads in your show. So... That's a really weird line because the long tail side of it could be massive. Spotify is already reporting over 5 million podcasts. That's really huge. And when you think about that, YouTube as of last year had 51 million YouTube channels. Now only 17 million had subscribers, but these things matter. I don't think we're at a point where there's too many 
because they can just live forever, whether they're active or whether they're being considered businesses or not. We're in a weird spot that the word podcast means so many different things. It means user-generated content and long tail. It means core podcasting, which is a lot of what our conversation is talking about here. And it means Hollywood, which is the stuff that all of these streaming companies and major Hollywood and TV studios are making as companion stuff. I believe in the future will be pulled into their apps to get people to be more active in their apps and won't be necessarily considered podcasting. So there's three clear divides on the word podcasting, and all three of them can be monetized in different ways. Over over 5 million, which is kind of wild, but also very small when you compare it to total books and total YouTube channels and websites and blogs and all of those things. Are you saying that there's going to be no shakeout here in terms of the sheer number and that it might just go the opposite? A podcast doesn't have to like pull itself from being available. There are a bunch of services out there that will allow your podcast to be up for free. There's ones that will be incredibly cheap. If those podcasts are still up and still exist and nobody's promoting them, but one person listens to it every now and then, to me, that's still a podcast. Is it the business of podcasting? Is it core podcasting? No. But is it something that it meant something that that individual went and downloaded it? It's the only download they got that day? Yeah, there's something there. There's a reason. There's an answer. I don't know if we're going to see the growth continue. We saw a little bit of a drop off. COVID and the pandemic drove people to be more active vocally and make more podcasts. Here's the truth. I come across creators all the time who have a neat idea and grow a small following and are able to capture their attention and pay for the podcast to be made. There are people who get book advances that barely break even for that publisher and barely cover their expenses for the time that they wrote it. We can find a world where podcasting gets there. And I think it is for a lot of the people who take it seriously. Brian, as we head into a break, is reach the next big thing when it comes to podcasting and advertisers being a lot more pointillist in targeting and buyers really going for impressions? That's an area we haven't explored very well because we're trying to talk to our existing advertisers about converting over to it and they're not interested in it and rightfully so they bought into an influencer like marketing channel they like the host endorsed they liked it baked in or embedded which is baked in but can be removed through dynamic ad insertion those people are really set in their ways and that's a good thing because they made the channel work for them but as we build the channel into a more efficient machine we're going to have multiple ways to sell and one of those ways is going to be appealing to these advertisers that are looking for reach when you think about total listenership we're in a place where we need more of that inventory to be programmatically available or network available so that we can go to these advertisers and say yes you can find the ideal listener that is engaged with this type of content, which tells a little bit about them, right? That's a characteristic That's that tells you what they're interested in. And you can even do contextualization and all these other things that reach is the next thing that we're going to explore in podcasting. And I don't think we're there yet because I don't think enough inventory has been made available for reach. Stay with us, there's more to come. We now take a break for a brief message regarding ANA Newsstand. ANA produces four in-house publications covering the latest developments and trends in B2C, B2B, brand purpose, and across the industry at large. With practical insights from leading brand marketers, agency partners, and industry experts, our publications are designed to give marketers the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publications at ana.net slash newsstand. And now back to our show. Welcome back. 
I'm speaking with Brian Barletta, a partner at Sounds Profitable, a research and advocacy firm focused on growing podcasting through listenership and monetization. Brian is also editor of the Sounds Profitable newsletter. Brian, talk to ad execution for podcasts. Do you think brand managers, in light of this dicey economy we're living in, are going to refocus on sales, conversion, and performance marketing at the expense of branding when it comes to podcasting ads? The majority of the money in podcasting right now, the ad money is based on performance marketing. We started with promo codes, we started with vanity URLs, and they worked very well. And then we've moved very quickly into pixel-based attribution. You know, I was at Barometric, which was one of the first companies to do that, bring attribution into podcasting. And since then, we've seen massive acquisitions. Barometric was acquired by Claritas. We saw Chartable and Podsites acquired by Spotify. Attribution is real in podcasting and works really well for performance marketing. Brand marketing is a great opportunity for podcasting. And that's where a lot of people on the outside believe that a lot of the revenue comes from. But if you look at tools like Magellan AI and what they list for the top 15 to 20 movers and shakers and the top spenders in a quarter, it's mostly performance marketers. So these performance marketers taking a look at what they can do on Facebook or what they can do with display and video and seeing podcasting, I think the most daunting part about it is the creative aspect, being able to create the audio, determine the script, be limited on there. But the people that are consistently doing that well with influencer marketing are finding success in podcasting as well. Does it have to be a zero-sum game, Brian, for ad execution when you consider the podcasting medium, which is simply a new form of radio, which is theater of the mind? Apologies to the late, great Steve Allen. Doesn't that lend itself to crafting more of a hybrid message or even, heaven forbid, trying new iterations for ad messaging using podcasting? Meaning like taking someone's original brand message and trying to see how it can adapt with a different voice and audio? Well, or taking that brand message and doing more of a hybrid sort of blending the branding with lead gen, with performance marketing, and whether you're reading it or the host is reading it, it's just having that blended model and seeing what sticks, going whole hog on performance marketing, or am I being naive? The podcast ads that work well feel like branding with a performance drive. They have a way to credit that host or that ad with the execution, right? With driving to conversion. So that's really valuable because if you only get like a one to 2% conversion rate, well, a lot of people focus on that as like a negative. Well, a 2% conversion rate is also a 98% branding rate if the ad is effective at branding. So I agree with you. I think podcasting is prime for that hybrid approach. And when appealing to audiences via ads, Sounds Profitable conducted a 2022 study showing that host-read ads on podcasts, whether an announcement, scripted, or live read, were all preferred by listeners and scored positively compared to other forms of advertising. Is that really part of the beauty here compared to other ad platforms, simply having the host deliver the message? And again, is this more back to the future when you think of how ads were sold on television a million years ago? When Johnny Carson read your ad, it probably got a good deal of pop. What we found in that study, and all of our studies, by the way, are completely free on our site. We don't even do any sort of lead capture. We want everybody to understand how to grow the podcasting space. So this one is called After These Messages. And what we found was that host read endorsed versus host read scripted versus announcer read scripted. There was only a 7% difference in how listeners responded to each of them. And we made sure that it was high quality content. And even some of the survey respondents were familiar and enough of them were familiar with the hosts of the show that 
that it resonated really well to show that that difference was true. And 7% is not much. You can do either side there. But the big things and what you hit on here is that listeners of podcasts are more receptive to ads in podcasts than they are in any other form. And that's really powerful because a lot of them view it as supporting that podcast, whether it's announcer read or host read, it's a way that their podcast that they're listening to or that episode that they're consuming, they know that this is how they make money. This is how they move forward. This is how they get more content out of it. And some of them, now we're learning more and more, it's a way to say like, I like them so much, I'd like to contribute directly and not hear ads. That's the subscription effect that's going on more and more in podcasting. The short is that podcasting consistently proves itself as a medium that's intimate and drives that bond for the advertiser at the extension of the host. From a purely experimental point of view, I know that when I'm watching television and uh, I know that there's a four or five block of ads coming on, I turn the sound down and I'm putzing around my apartment, taking care of other things. I'm also a big radio consumer. And I know that when a five, six block of ads comes on the radio, I listen to it because those ads almost transport me to whatever they're selling. Again, is that something that marketers have to really tap into more? Is it a baseline of imagination? Yeah, I can sit here and play that dream game of that, oh, the buyers need to learn it, but podcasting needs to show it. We need to prove it through research. We need to prove it through conversions and attribution and brand sentiment and surveys and all these different things. It is very easy. It's very exciting that a lot of people who buy podcasting or anybody who's buying podcasting has listened to a podcast. It appeals to people who are higher income, looking to learn and grow in their career. Those are very common traits of people who listen to podcasts. Considering back when I started in mobile rich media advertising and trying to explain people about their ads and apps, and they didn't have a clue at that point, podcasting resonates a little bit more. That's podcasting's responsibility to teach people that it really does more than that. How is programmatic ad buying affecting ad purchasing of podcasting as we're moving forward? Well, we're seeing a lot of interest from companies like Magnite and Trade Desk, and we already have plenty of activity from AdsWiz, Triton, Digital, and Audiohook in the podcasting space, and even some of Google's tools work effectively on it. So what I can say is that the infrastructure is being built out. It doesn't work the same way as streaming, so they needed to do a little bit of extra effort. And considering the, the massive success of CTV right now and where everybody's attention is, the fact that those companies are putting effort towards podcasting says a lot that they see the value in it. And we're working very closely with the IAB and other boards to make sure that these things get resolved and templated as soon as possible. The short is that there is tons of content out there programmatically, but not nearly as much as there is podcast content. We need to get more podcast content in there because the tools allow buyers to do a lot more cool things. They can do frequency capping on that listener, on the perceived listener across a day or multiple days or whatever period. They can do brand safety and suitability with tools like Barometer and Sounder. They can do sentiment analysis with them as well. They can do contextual targeting. They can also, because we get IP address and user agent, which the podcast user agents connect to slightly less than like a web browser, let's say, there is still the ability to match it to first and third party data sources with the right protocols. Programmatic is going to open quite a bit for buyers. And I think that the publishers understand that very well. In the next year or so, I think we're going to see a majority of podcast inventory activated programmatically as well. In terms of the metrics 
and being innovative with metrics. Are we just scratching the surface when it comes to podcasts and, and measurement? We're pretty solid on measurement because there's only so many things you can do with IP and user agent, but I think there are more interesting ways that we can position data that we're starting to work on. Less than of that $2 billion, I think it was low single digit percentage was expected to be transacted programmatically. That's the first one there, getting that data into tools that buyers can use and that they're familiar with to make that purchasing easier. There's a lot of creative tools that have been really not dug into yet. Dynamic creative optimization and other tools that were created for both audio and video using vast technology. We're really scratching the surfaces today of what we can do to appeal to the greater advertisers. But I do caution that we can't alienate the people who helped us get to this size. And there may be new people who come into the space that really want that model over the new model. From an ownership of podcasting networks and the ad play perspective, why has the convergence of music plus podcast plus audiobooks plus audience been slow to happen? Is demand for integration outpacing the industry's ability to provide it? We just saw that Google announced that podcasts will be part of YouTube music as well as YouTube, which is pretty cool. Amazon launched, if you're a Prime member and you're using Amazon Music, you can get access to their owned and operated podcasts and a few of them that they signed up directly like NPR and I believe New York Times. You can get them ad-free and early and all the bonus content as if you subscribed on any other platform. Spotify has started adding audiobooks. They started with music. They went heavy into podcasts. We're seeing these audio tools become aggregators further than just music, but it's tough, right? Amazon or Apple, for instance, has Apple Music and Apple Podcasts. I don't see a future where it makes sense for them to merge them. And Amazon, as Amazon Music, I don't see Audible making its way into there. But we're seeing that convergence because the intent is capture the listener's attention or capture the person's attention. Reggie Philomene, I believe his name is from former president of Nintendo, was talking at one point about how the Nintendo Switch doesn't compete with PlayStation or Xbox. It competes for attention. And so these apps are looking for anything they can do to keep you engaged. Oh, you're done with podcasts, here's music. Oh, you're done with music, here's an audiobook. Spotify is exploring video. YouTube has video components to it. Really impressive stuff there. But I think what's gonna be even more exciting about that is when like the streaming solutions have more podcasts in there and that's where it's gonna really explode. We're not gonna call that podcasting in the same way, but it's where it originated. In the HBO Max app, there is a two season Batman podcast with an all-star cast, but today you still can't turn the screen off on your phone. The second you can do that, well, I'm gonna listen to that Batman podcast. And then when I get back, I'm gonna watch the new episode of whatever the Batman thing is or whatever the latest DC movie is. And when you think of Netflix ending a season in season two and doing an audio drama for season three or just an, like a six episode audio for season three, that could be huge. Orphan Black, is going to be coming back, I believe, as a TV show because of the fan success of two audio seasons. It's really interesting when you think of how all these things can converge, not just audio on audio on audio with audiobooks, music, and podcasting, but what app of yours could be empowered by having a podcast player in there and a curated list of podcasts to keep you focused on what they want to target for you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Perhaps now we're at 180 and it's maybe going to take another few years to get to that 360 view where, again, it is all integrated and optimized, whether it's audio or video or text even in terms of the whole Megillah getting in there. 
we're seeing like the next stage of the social media and all that, right? Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all these sources were the places that people plugged in and then saw much more content there and had affinity with that and focused on these platforms. But we're going to start seeing it on other places like TikTok for the video aspect and YouTube further and Twitch and Spotify and all these things can become your primary destination. And then you can see tons of content there. Brian, I wanted to talk about that the $2 billion market of podcasts may be just too small right now when you consider the impact of influencer marketing. What would be a perhaps better measure of the market when you include influencer marketing or some other elements? Well, we're not taking into account, and I don't think it's billions, but I think it's probably hundreds of millions. We're not taking into account the creation of B2B podcasts. Like this is, that's what this is, right? This is an ad effectively, right? For ANA and for Sounds Profitable at this point, we're building this to promote something that's bigger here, but you don't report the costs here or the ad revenue here to the IAB. And there are probably easily a hundred production companies out there that are making podcasts for people quietly for major brands that are just building them up. And it's really impressive. So that's an area that I don't think we're accounting for correctly. There are tons of creators that podcasting is an extension or added value that they don't account for their ad spend there. There's niche podcasts out there too. We always hear the stories and, and I've verified a few of them, IT based podcasts that are a thousand downloads per episode and make half a million dollars because that advertiser needs to close one deal to mm -hmm. make a million dollars that year. Mm -hmm. All they have to mm -hmm. do is close one and those thousand people are all the prime people on there. When we think of pure advertising revenue, we're probably not doing a great job of accounting for it, but we're doing as best we can. There's so much inventory out there and there's so many listeners. We just need to agree on the right path because today a performance marketer, or even a brand marketer, they have to either source all the shows that they want to go to or go to networks or have an agency handle it who's just sourcing all those shows. Programmatic is going to show somebody that scale. It might not be their, and it shouldn't be their destination or their final destination. They should explore host red. They should explore network buys. They should explore custom content creation. But when you can log into the trade desk or another DSP and you can simply see, wow, there's that much podcast inventory, even with my filters set, that is really what's going to get people thinking. And right now we have single digit percentage of our inventory available programmatically. And as we start to wrap up, Ryan, and from the CMO and senior marketers perspective here in thinking about podcasts, how do you think the growth of podcasting will affect marketing and ad talent moving forward? Is innovation in ad creative for podcasting just getting started? We have some really cool tools for ad creation that would allow you to A-B test, to tell you which one is going to be more effective, to even rotate them based on specific variables. We've seen a million ads. We've seen Adthos. We've seen Frequency. We've seen all of these companies, even Arts AI too, uh, create these vast solutions that depending on the input can mad lib together an ad or put a specific ad in front of a person based on that information. And those are incredibly rare at this point because we haven't evolved the advertising technology to make that table stakes. So I would say on the creative aspect of it, we are still looking at a show and a host read as does this show work? We're not A-B testing the host creative. We're not A-B testing announcer read. We're not trying out back catalog versus full catalog. We're saying that ad read didn't work. So that shows off the plan. We're just scratching the surfaces on the creative side here. And any marketer who's looking to really push the limits or, or become an expert, 
this is the time to do it in podcasting. I know it's like a 20 plus year industry at this point, but the ad side of it is just really taken off. So ample room for growth and experimentation. I would say so. And I think experimentation is incredibly well rewarded right now in podcasting. And that's all we have for now. But I promise that Brian will return later in the year to continue this conversation about podcasting and tackle some of the other marketing related areas of this rapidly evolving medium. Brian, thanks so much for making the time. And I look forward to having you back. Yeah, thanks for having me. Big thanks to my guest, Brian Barletta, a partner at Sounds Profitable, a research and advocacy firm focused on the business of podcasting. Brian is also the editor of the Sounds Profitable newsletter. Check things out at soundsprofitable.com. If you would like to recommend a guest or topic for a future episode, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. And be sure to subscribe to Champions of Growth wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Thanks again for listening. I'm Matthew Schwartz.